All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City on this, the 23rd day of July 2019. I would like to encourage you to consider subscribing to Chen Lin's newsletter, uh, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? You can do so by going to chenpicks.com. ChenPicks.com. Chen has uh, done remarkably well for his investors and for his uh, own account. He has uh, turned some $5,400 over 10 years into $2.5 million. And one account that I'm aware of, uh, that account was an IRA account in which no money went in, no money came out over that 10-year period of time. Uh, He is a, a person I've learned to know over the years and one I have a great deal of respect for. Uh, He works extremely hard, and he comes up with novel ideas, novel investing ideas, and has done very well in the uh, in uh, various, uh, primarily in biotech as well as uh, energy, and to a certain extent also in gold shares. Done also very well. Uh, I want to thank each of you for listening to the show and um, and uh, making it one of the more popular Voice America Business uh, uh, Channel shows. Uh, I do want to also remind you that. I, uh, I am also the author of a newsletter called J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. You can subscribe to that by going to miningstocks.com. We do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors this week, Klondike Gold, Noble Resources, Radisson Mining Resources, and Great Bear Resources. I've titled today's show, The Deep State, Who Really Runs America? Craig Huey will visit for the first time. Michael Oliver will be with me after the uh, first commercial break. I want to pick his brain in, in terms of the markets and timing and, you know, is gold uh, really on a new bull market or not? Uh, then in the second half of today's show, as I mentioned, Craig Huey will be with me for the first time. He'll be here to talk about his new book called The Deep State, 15 Surprising Dangers You Should Know. So what is the definition of a deep state? And if it actually exists in the United States, who are the players? What evidence is there that a deep state actually exists in America, giving American, the American people the false hope that they run their government rather than somebody behind the curtain? How extensive is a deep state if, in fact, it exists? Is it a global uh, entity or is it just national? So those are some of the questions that I want to ask Craig Huey, um, if he can give us some examples of how the elite actors behind the curtain have impacted policy and change our lives. Those are some of the things that I want to try to find out from Craig Huey, uh, and um, which I think the the answers are are in the deep state. Fifteen surprising dangers you should know. 
With the gold and silver market starting to poke the deep state in the eyes, I want to take a time today to do what I can do to help this show live up to its name, turning hard times into good times, even at a time when the future, at least in terms of material well-being and even liberties, are significantly diminished. Of course, I agree with Ron Paul, who said, if we have liberty, prosperity will quite naturally follow. But take away our liberty, which of course means freedom to serve each other through a free market system, and our economic well-being will suffer as well. It is true that with the emergence of the American empire starting in world, after World War I and the creation of the Federal Reserve Bank and the income tax systems, America, Americans have actually enjoyed a dramatically greater standard of living despite declining liberties. But as America grew into an empire, it did it through dishonest means of monetary printing and confiscation of wealth by government against its citizens. As victors in two world wars, a growing elite in America has emerged that President Eisenhower warned us against, namely the military-industrial complex. To finance the expansion of the American empire through its war, to, to finance its wars and covert overthrowing of governments that have resisted being taken over, President Nixon removed gold from our money and enforced the dollar standard with the military might behind it. That has resulted in massive money creation, but not an asset-backed monetary system, but rather a debt-backed money, which has led the world to a more and more precarious global financial position, evidenced by the 2008-2009 financial crisis that nearly bombed the world, financially speaking, back to the Stone Age. With that event, the Chinese, Russians, and other nations have chosen to find ways escaping use of the dollar and the dollar system. The Chinese are very much on their way to building an empire of their own, not by military force, but by mercantilistic uh, economic system that has increased the global wealth while the U.S. is in the process of squandering its wealth by massive indebtedness and chronic trade deficits. Now, this is leading to currency wars, which James Rickards, my guest last week, talked about, and how that is now leading us towards the demise of the dollar and a movement towards a new global monetary system that will be backed once again by assets, not by liabilities or debt, as the current system is. James Rickards actually talked last week about how there is evidence the Chinese are clandestinely moving towards a gold-backed standard in the form of a stronger correlation of the SDR and the yuan, while the correlation of the dollar and gold are breaking down. Now, we are seeing evidence of this uh, breakdown now of gold and silver with the dollar. In Rickard's latest book titled Aftermath, in which, he, in which I, I reg- really highly recommend you read, he, uh, he gives his well-reasoned argument for why gold will be headed in the next few years to $10,000 or more. Yes, I know that sounds ridiculous to most of you, but if you read his book and read the logic behind it, I think it makes it will make some sense to you. He suggests that investors should allocate 10% of their investable portfolios. Those are portfolios without, uh, that is, excluding the uh, your home equity and the assets you need to earn a living. Exclude them from your portfolio and then take 10% of that, put it in gold bullion, in cash and 60% in stocks, of which a large portion would be uh, the gold miners and gold and silver miners. 
With the breakout in gold and silver, as well as the discoveries being made by many of the companies that I'm following in my newsletter, and which I personally own, I have never been more excited about the prospects of profiting from gold exploration and mining companies than I, uh, than I am now. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples, or a few examples, from my newsletter that I'm currently following that I think are extremely exciting. Knowable Resources, who we've talked uh, about frequently on this show, and by the way, Quentin Henning, the, the uh, president of that company, will be with me next week. They are on to what is increasingly looking increasingly likely a massive gold system that measures in hundreds of kilometers in various directions. Now, whether this can be mined economically is what is being determined now, and uh, Quentin Henning will be with us next week to help us uh, understand what the risks and rewards are for that. If it's answered affirmatively, then I think we've got a huge winner on our hands in uh, Noble Resources. Another company that he is very much involved with is Irving Resources. Now, this is one in which uh, there are some really big money people behind it. Uh, in fact, it's one that um, I think has the chances of, of becoming one of my biggest winners next year. They are in Japan, and their targets are extremely high-grade gold. Uh, a very unique story, and at some point in time, I expect to get Quentin handing him, and maybe we can ask him something about that next week when he's on our show. One of the most exciting, if not the most exciting, and my biggest personal holding is Great Bear Resources. Now, if you've heard of Gold Corp, which was recently taken over by Newmont Mining, then you must know about Great Bear Resources because increasingly it looks like it may have made a company making discovery akin to the Great Red Lake gold deposit that was the making of Gold Corp. Uh, This is an extremely exciting story. In fact, it's one that, uh, well, I just... It's it's one of those stories, one of those rare stories, where whenever they put out press, a press release, you expect the uh, the resources to be good. Um, you know, it's not not normal, but this company is doing extremely well, and the massive scale is what is so exciting about this. And not only that, but the fact that they have hit on such a high percentage of their drill intercepts, uh, very unusual, and I think perhaps one of the most remarkable. Uh, stories that I've ever covered in my newsletter over the past uh, nearly 30 years. Klondike Gold Corp. Uh, Peter, uh, we've had uh, we've had the CEO of that company with us just last week, uh, the other week, uh, and uh, Peter will be uh, with us again sometime in the near future. But Klondike Gold Corp. Uh, is in the Klondike, the great, the great Klondike, um, where they the placer mining rush, which occurred right after the California rush of 1849. Millions of ounces of gold, of placer gold, have been mined there. Uh, but Peter Talman and his crew believe that they have now found the motherload source of all that gold. And there's a great deal more there. Not only that, but it looks like Peter has figured out that they have uh, found the uh, the secrets uh, in terms of the structural uh, the structural characteristics where gold is hidden uh, in this uh, in the motherload. So this is a very exciting story. And they will be coming out with drill results in the not-too-distant future that I think could set this stock on fire. Gold Source Mines is uh, in Guyana. It's a company that I also own and uh, own a large number of shares for me, a a big percentage commitment uh, for my portfolio. Uh, It is run by the same people uh, that are ahead of uh, Silvercrest Mines and Silvercrest Metals, I should say, and Silvercrest Mines previously, which was sold out. Uh, to another company, a very successful operator, and they just recently had a high-grade 
discovery that uh, suggests this could be another major winner, very low price stock. Premier Gold Mines is a company that is producing gold from Mexico, but uh, and, and the prospects of increasing production, very good. But what is really exciting is their joint venture partnerships with Barrick Gold and a couple of projects in Nevada that have huge ex- upside uh, potential. And uh, Brixton Resources, just a real newcomer to my newsletter, but one I think is extremely exciting and one you should keep your eyes on. Uh, he recently had a 550-meter drill intercept that graded nearly, nearly two grams of gold per ton equivalent. Uh, this is indi- indicative of a huge mineralized system, uh, and it's a very low penny stock that I think uh, has a chance of becoming um, a, a really, really big winner. I recently purchased shares of Brixton Resources as well. Now, I don't do this very often, but uh, what I'm doing this week is offering you a free copy of my newsletter, my monthly newsletter, the July issue, which was issued about a week ago as well as my July 12th weekly newsletter. I offer this free of charge just so you can see what I'm doing, so you get a good idea of the kind of excitement that there is in the exploration sector and why I am so excited about the prospects for this sector and why I think, uh, as James Rickard suggests, gold shares should be a big part of your portfolio along with gold bullion. As the world is changing very dramatically, as China and Russia and others are seeking ways to protect themselves against a dollar system that is uh, getting increasingly long in the tooth and likely not to last uh, too many more years, at least as its present dominant state. At least that's my view and the view of uh, James Rickards and many other people that we have on this show. Uh, So to protect ourselves, at least financially, uh, that's one of the things we try to do on this show Uh, in our quest to turn hard times into good times. We do have to go to break now, but don't go away, because when we come back, Michael Oliver will be with us to give us his latest views on the gold markets, silver markets, and other major markets of importance to us. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Michael Oliver. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Karatha region of Western Australia, where they are currently drilling and trenching their Purdy's reward project. In addition, Novo has partnered with Sumitomo Mining Corporation to advance its Beaton's Creek Gold Project toward production. With over $70 million in cash and strong shareholder support from the likes of Kirkland Lake Gold, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. 
Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again, Michael Oliver. Uh, we have a little more time with Michael today, so I'm really hoping to take advantage of that. Uh, and also like to, as always, tell you to go to OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com, to learn more about Michael's work and hopefully to sign up for some of the excellent advice that he provides because what you hear on this show is just a smidgen of what Michael has to offer. And he talks most often and mostly about gold and silver and related markets, but he covers a huge number of markets that are of benefit, can be of benefit, or are of benefit to subscribers, not only to uh, be on the long side, but sometimes just to stay out of those markets and uh, avoid getting burnt. Michael, thanks for joining me again. Good to be back, Jay. Always good to have you with me. And, uh, you know, one of the things that you like to look at is relative markets, relative movements of one market with another. For example, you like to look at the S&P and gold. I know that's one thing you like to look at. What are you seeing uh, in that relationship, and what do you think uh, we are likely to see going forward through the end of, uh, of this year, perhaps? Well, I think the interrelationship between asset categories is, is very strong, uh, either inversely or, you know, in coincident. But in the case of the S&P, uh, let's call it developed stock markets, be Japan, yes. Europe, us. Uh, obviously, the U.S. is stronger than either of those two, if you look at the charts, for example, uh, over the last 10 years. Uh, but uh, that, that might imply that we've got more downside to go once it gets rolling. But the yeah. one thing about the S&P, I think that that's happened, that the charts don't tell you, the price charts don't, because you're, you're at a new high again, uh, is that somebody's doubting it. Because money's flowing out, that's clear. It's been moving into the T-bond market, T-note market, uh, not into high yield. Uh, it's been moving into gold. And we've had some major name hedge fund and fund managers around the world who are not gold-oriented necessarily, yeah. but are now. And have, have made statements to the effect that, uh, you know, we think gold is a place to be, gold miners are a place to be, and they haven't, that's not their tune you know, yeah. yet they recognize it. So I think there is a seepage of capital out of the stock market. And I have a sense that uh, even without measuring via, via momentum, which we do and we try to do it precisely, uh, that the longs are going to get really frustrated and bent out of shape here if, if this thing doesn't get traction soon. And what I mean by traction is we, we made a high in January 2018 uh, in the very upper 2800s, and then we had a sharp drop. And then you came back in September of 2018, and you got up to 2940 and had a sharp drop. So you made a new high by a couple percent and fell apart. So the new high wasn't a buy. In fact, it was a sell. Okay. Then you came back up again here, and you got a high in April uh, at 29.50 and had a sharp drop. And now you've come back up again, and you've tagged 3,000 finally, and nothing's happened. It's been three weeks of absolute boredom with lows in the mid-29.70s and the highs, and the high was 30.17. So you're stuck in a 1.5% range for three weeks. One of these new highs better get traction and take off because I think the longs are going to get frustrated and mm-hmm. see what's going on pretty soon that, hey, every time you make a new high, we don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Go down. And mm-hmm. I don't think they can take another down. If they get another no. down, it's our view, and we've got very specific numbers, and they're not right under your feet, but they're not too far away. So, for example, uh, Morgan Stanley recently badmouthed the stock market. Uh, I think uh, Wells Fargo did. Blackstone Group did. Quite a few names are saying, hey, we're, we're doubters up here. 
Now, some mm-hmm. of them aren't claiming it's a bear market to come, but they're claiming you need a big correction. Well, mm-hmm. MSA will state definitively you cannot have a correction, meaning you can't get a double-digit drop, a 10 or so percent, because if you do, our work says you're going off the page. You're going to drop another 30 to 40 percent rapidly. We've got trigger numbers below that, that tell us that you cannot afford a 10 percent pullback as much as many people might like to buy that. So the question then is, if there's already been seepage of capital out of the equity markets into other asset categories, um, will that spark massive outflow? And I think it will. And I think gold is already one of the beneficiaries, if not the prime beneficiary of that. Just look at a gold chart. Um, And so anybody in the gold market should be watching the S&P, is my my view. Uh, Don't Mm -hmm. don't be so preoccupied with every $10 downtick in gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so uh, so people probably feel like they're spinning their wheels up here, and you're seeing this. What looks to me, Michael, like a gigantic topping process. Is, would you agree with that on the on the mm-hmm. U.S. markets? Yeah, the S and P. I mean, I, mm-hmm. we've seen those before, of course, at key places. This is one of the key. biggest I've ever seen. Also, the structure below the market, meaning if you looked at our annual momentum charts of the S and P, which don't look anything like looking at a monthly price chart of the S&P going back to 2009, which is just an uptrend. But the momentum charts, annual momentum, it's a flat structure. And it looks like mm-hmm. a bridge where, you know, each of the pontoons is uh, the same distance and it's a flat bridge. And mm-hmm. we, we can define the structure very clearly, which if it breaks, we're going to get a collapse. And that structure, mm-hmm. like I said, is right now about 10% below the market. By later in the year, it'll be about 6% below where you are right now. So you cannot afford to sneeze. They must get traction. We don't think they're going to get traction. But mm-hmm. uh, we want to wait for the numbers, uh, no sense guessing. Uh, but I think when that happens, uh, that will lead to more gushing of money into gold. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the few, few areas in the world that is behaving well. Most commodities are still flat. This Bloomberg Commodity Index has uh, been sideways in a range since 2016. You're in the middle of that range right now. Um, so it's not the commodity category uh, that's, that's starring, uh, but it's, it's only government bonds, which means safety, uh, mm-hmm. at least perceived to be safety, and uh, gold. And, yeah. Uh, so, so, Michael, what you're saying is, uh, I mean, a 10%, that's sort of what people think. Oh, we can get upwards to a 10%. That's a correction. No yeah. harm done there. I mean, that's just a normal exhaling, inhaling exercise. But mm-hmm. what you're saying is that kind of a... Of a of a very minor 8 10% or so is going to cause the whole thing to collapse. And then we get 30 or 40%. And what do you call that? That's more than a correction. What, what's your terminology? I call that about? the first wave of a bear market. If you go back and study stock market bear trends, either begin with a crash or they end with it. Uh, 2008, for example, we peaked in 2007, started down in 2008, but it was irregular, zigzagging. Mm-hmm. You didn't really have your crash effect until October 2008. Uh, 1929 was a different story. You crashed at the beginning, and then you uh, had a big rally halfway back to the high, and then you rolled over and went down bleeding for two years, slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, you, stocks tend to either begin with one or end with one. We think because of the momentum trend structures that we can define clearly, and if you saw the charts, you, your jaw would drop because you mm-hmm. don't see it on the price chart. Uh, says, no, if we go down, we're going to start with a crash. And then you'll probably have a big rally, and then you'll probably go into some slow-motion grind uh, for a a year or two. But uh, Mm -hmm. it will definitely cause a sudden movement of capital out of the the stock market that has not maybe been dislodged to this point. And uh, 
I think it'll be dramatic. And I think the debate that we have between, you know, the guys who are skeptical of the stock market and those who are always long for everything uh, will end almost overnight. If we go to our numbers, I think that the debate will just about end within 48 hours of hitting that, that level. Um, mm-hmm. This is the we, We've stated this before, and we stated again. It is the worst annual momentum structure, long-term momentum structure in the stock market in 100 years. The issue mm-hmm. is to get down to it and, and trigger it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so, so really what we're looking at is, is, is not a correction. We're looking at something that's very severe not, and not a, potentially severe. very severe is what, is what you're suggesting. Yes, I, I think so. Uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, if you like to own stocks, uh, yeah. <laughs> call gold miners. Uh, Gold stocks and, and silver stocks just, too, Michael. Yeah. Silver stocks are GDX, looking really good. For example, if if you went back to uh, April, March, April, GDX was laying. The GDX is the gold miner ETF, the majors was laying between twenty and twenty one, just dead, dead. No volatility, no movement. It was almost like, what's going on here? And mm. when it broke out at the end of May, uh, it went up to twenty one. It shot to twenty four in a heartbeat, and then it shot up again. We're now at twenty eight. And it's July. So mm-hmm. how many weeks is that? You know, we've gone from 20 to 28. Mm-hmm. Look at the percentages. Yeah. Uh, quite a move. Uh, and it, a matter of weeks. Uh, and uh, we think that the GDX, before it gets a pause, is probably going to at least see something in the low 30s. Silver last week contributed in a big way. It had been a dog for the last couple of years relative to gold. And uh, we had a cluster of numbers that weren't price-based or momentum-based between 1580 and 1605 was our highest trigger number. And we've shot up to 1650. We traded over 1650 again today. Uh, we're just barely above the last breakout number, so it's not a place to have a correction. You're still just in launch mode. But silver is joined in now. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it's catching up to gold, and I think it'll continue to outpace gold going forward from this point forward. I uh, yeah. think the backbone of that anemic period for silver is over. Uh, yeah. I think it's broken, and we're now headed up. On a relative basis, and the same with the gold miners. Still have to so watch Michael, gold, though, because yeah. yeah. So Michael, so Michael, you're not buying the notion because I've heard a lot of chatter about people thinking that we should have, we should have a pullback here in gold. It's make it's going too fast. You're suggesting not so I'm until what that, sort of. No, it doesn't make doesn't make sense because we just achieved certain breakout levels. Uh, admittedly, they're secondary breakout levels. The first buy for gold, uh, according to our work, was in February 2016 just above 11.40. But there was another big shelf of annual momentum we took out in June. We just, we just took it out then, so it's fresh. Uh, mm-hmm. Silver just broke out over a three-year-wide quarterly momentum base when it, crossed, when it touched 16.05. Well, mm-hmm. you're trading 16.40s right now. Uh, is, is that an excessive run after that breakout? No. Now, you get up around 18 to 20, you might get a little more cautious, but we see no particular reason to expect a sharp correction here. Um, Instead, what we've had over the last uh, couple of weeks is just tight congestion. No sharp pullbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, that's about all you're going to get. Well, all I can say is it's doing, it's doing wonders. Uh, all I can say it's doing wonders for the silver stocks, Michael. Uh, oh, I know. Breaking, I know they... breaking out like crazy, and I felt that I had to uh, find some cash from some source, and I had to sell some things I didn't really want to sell to make sure my silver exposure was a little bigger once I saw... Uh, your uh, your charts showing the breakout in the silver, and uh, like you oh, yeah. say, your jaws would drop. Um, very often, the case when you look at uh, Michael's momentum uh, charts, 
they're quite a bit different than the uh, than the price charts, which is what everybody's looking at. And and Michael, so often I've found your charts to be uh, prescient and and much ahead, uh, allowing people to see what's coming so that they're not blindsided. I think that's one of the most valuable things that you have to offer is well, your um, you, you know your ability to foretell using momentum uh, what is heading our in our direction. Uh, so, just with about a minute left here yet, uh, your outlook for the dollar and for T-bonds. Uh, dollar is still boring as uh, can be. Uh, it hit ni- in a big, strong rally in August of last year when it, it made a high at 97 after having rallied from the 88 level, this dollar index now. Mm-hmm. And we're trading above 97 right now. So, it's 11 months later and it's yawning. Yet, everybody says how strong the dollar is. If you, draw, if, you pick, if you even just look at the dollar index chart, it's a horizontal situation where you've been a percent or so either side of 97 for 11 months. It is the most quiet dollar situation I've seen in many years. Uh, huh. One area in the foreign exchange market that's not quiet, and most people are missing it, is the emerging market currencies are quite strong relative huh. to the dollar and have been since last August. Uh, so while the dollar has gone sideways versus, let's say, the euro or the pound, the yen for the last 11 months, it has not gone sideways versus emerging market currencies. It's gone down mm. noticeably. Um, interesting. So That's very that's interesting. Good. And, and uh, Michael, last week we had, uh, we had um, Jim Rickards on the show, and he talked about the breakdown between the Chinese currency, I don't know if you follow that or not, and the, um, uh, uh, or the correlation, I should say, between the Chinese currency and the SDRs. Whereas the uh, the dollar and gold has broken down, so you know the, mm-hmm. the normal correlation. So very interesting well, we things. That the dollar will break down versus the dollar index, which is heavily weighted by the euro, and yeah. it will break down soon. But uh, it hasn't triggered our, our final signal numbers yet. They're not yeah. far below the market, mm-hmm. but we need to see those numbers broken, and then we'll see the dollar index wake up, meaning wake down, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that that likely help gold too. But the dollar weak, uh, dollar steadiness over the last 11 months has not at all impaired gold. Because over the mm-hmm. same time period, August last year, we went from 1160s up to a mm-hmm. high recently of 1450 without mm-hmm. any weakness yeah. in the dollar. Yeah, None. exactly. So. Yeah. Very interesting. All right, we'll have to leave it go at that, Michael. Thank you so much for your time and sharing Thanks, your wisdom Jay. with our listeners. And we'll look to do it again next week. Thanks so much. Well, folks, uh, we are going to break now, but don't go away because for the first time, Craig Huey will be with us. He's the author of a new book titled The Deep State, Five Surprising Dangers You Should Know. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Craig Huey. A gold rush has begun. Recently, three of the largest gold mining companies announced strategic acquisitions in the Yukon Territories. Ahead of them was a group who had already consolidated the key claims covering the historic Klondike Gold Rush into one company, aptly named Klondike Gold Corp. Led by a team of accomplished geoscientists, the company is steadily advancing exploration to reveal the rich source of all that gold. The hunt for the next major discovery is well underway, and Klondike Gold's shareholders are strategically positioned. Stay ahead of the majors and follow KlondikeGoldCorp.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time, Craig Huey. Craig is the author and publisher of the Huey Report and Reality Alert newsletters and a frequent guest on television, including Fox. He is also the president of CraigHuey.com, JudgeVoterGuide.com, and ElectionForum.org. That's his popular website that shows more than a half a million conservatives how to vote their values, as well as other conservative websites. Craig also is involved in evaluating judges on what is the most important issue of all regarding jurisprudence in the United States, namely whether judges are strict constructionists or judicial activists. For those of us who think our founding fathers wanted us to take what they said literally, as opposed to the activist judges who become more like politicians and lawmakers from the bench, than judges of existing law, Craig's evaluation of judges on that basis is, I believe, a most important service that he provides. The main reason I wanted to have Craig on uh, the show today, though, however, was to talk about his new book, The Deep State, 15 Surprising Dangers You Should Know. This book has been described as the definitive guide to what the deep state is and how to drain the swamp. So, Craig, I'm really glad to have you on. Thanks for joining me today. Jay, it's great to be with you, and, uh, you know, the the whole issue of the deep state is something everybody really needs to have an understanding of, and there's a lot of misunderstanding. No, for sure, and I mean, for the most part, uh, most people probably just think that's just uh, some, you know, some right-wing political slogan or whatever, but, you know, it's interesting to note, I think the, uh, well, what we hear a lot about is uh, fake news, right? Fake news, Uh, fake news was a term that uh, I think... President Obama first used to describe Fox. But anyway, we'll leave that aside now. What do you know? What I wanted to ask you about, Craig, uh, this, it, we want to talk about this book, The Deep State, of course. But, you know, last weekend, or I was just, uh, yeah, this past weekend, I was uh, at a Google bookstore on Columbus Circle in New York City. And I didn't, um, funny thing, I didn't see your book displayed prominently there, Craig. I wonder why. Well, you know what? Uh, Google does not like me, <laughs> and the establishment does not like me, and so uh, no. You know, the book's available on Amazon. We have a special website set up for it, and uh, we're living in fear of even Amazon maybe taking it off Amazon at some point. But you know, when I I sat down and I started writing this book, I, I've, I've got several new books on on the way, but I wanted this to be. Uh, out right away because there is this feeling that it it might be a conspiracy theory that there's a deep state. It might be something that's right-wing that's talking about the deep state. And and the progressive left and the socialists, Jade, the socialists say there is no deep state. And, and, And so I wanted to show people two things, what the deep state was, where it came from, and how it affects us today. And then number two, those that collude, have collusion with the deep state, those who collude with the deep state to make it so powerful and so acceptable 
uh, to the media and, and to society and to the politicians. Yeah, you know, um, it's just sort of funny. The socialists say there is no deep state. I had known a lot of Italians around New York City who always said there is no mafia. So it's a kind of... <laughs> yeah, that's very good. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe and, it's and because they are uh, the deep state. So, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, here, here's the thing. The deep state is real, and it's affecting every listener right now. It's affecting investments. It's, a, it, it, it's affecting uh, the political direction of our nation. It's, per, it, it, it's so persu- uh, pervasive. You know, uh, when you talk about the deep state, you have something that happened. And one of the reasons I wrote this book is what happened was a change in what the deep state was. So, Jay, from the beginning, you know, there has been government and bureaucrats and in effect, that's the deep state. The mm-hmm. term the deep state actually came from Turkey during the Ottoman Empire of mm-hmm. the infrastructure that held together a chaotic government. Mm-hmm. But the deep state itself right now is, 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 is the bureaucracy. You know, you're, you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, of, of $4 trillion of federal spending the historic deficit that we have and what have you, uh, you know, all these employees, this is the bureaucracy. And, and with the bureaucracy, bureaucracy has three main points. One, to justify its existence. Two, to grow itself. Three, to try to hide and be non-transparent, non-accountable. But recently thanks to President Obama, it has a fourth part of it, and that is that the deep state is there to transform society, and in this case, because of the Obama appointees, to transform it into a socialist government. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, certainly, um, that's been going on for a long time. Now, I have to, though, the founding fathers of our country, um, they had this notion that the less government is the best government. That would mean the least bureaucracy, the less bureaucracy. The least government, the less bureaucracy you would have. And uh, so you would have less of a deep state or less of a... uh, It it seems to me, Craig, that so much is going on um, in terms of regulation, not legislation. So Mm -hmm. the Congress creates bureaucracies, um, you know, entities that are created by Congress to make decisions, whereas the, the congressmen themselves then are far removed from any sort of political decisions that might cost them votes. Is that your read on it? It, it really is. Uh, uh, there's a number of reasons uh, why we see this bureaucracy building and growing, and besides the fact that that's what a bureaucracy does, Congress has allowed it, uh, the executive branch with the president has allowed it, and basically, they allow the administrative state to control and regulate, and, 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 and basically, it's unaccountable. Mm-hmm. And, and, and today, we have the added situation that thanks to the Obama uh, appointees, uh, we basically have one-third, one-third of the bureaucracy at war with President Trump one-third of the democracy that's at war with his appointees to the different cabinet posts, 
mm-hmm. and really, there are, you know, one third of these uh, uh, bureaucrats are at war with the American people because, right. basically, with leaks, uh, with with uh, undermining policies, with work, actually working on political projects and working for progressive politicians while being paid by the taxpayers, that that they are doing everything they can to sabotage any type of deregulation, sabotage any type of good policy that would shrink the government. And that's the problem we have with the bureaucracy today. Well, it's the bureaucracy. It's also the universities, I would suggest, because there they're not even allowing conservative ideas to be aired, uh, or, or certainly in a major part of our mainstream media, with the exception, at least in part, of Fox, uh, conservative ideas are not allowed to be aired. Um, so Absolutely. it seems to me that it's been a long time coming. The struggle we have in America. You, you pinpointed the fact that the founders of America, they tried to, to create a, a, a protection against human nature, where mm-hmm. human nature that, 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 that would have um, you know, self-interest overcoming mm-hmm. public good. And, and, and so they set up layers of, uh, you know, the judicial, the executive, uh, the legislative, all trying to prevent this idea of a big government, trying to prevent any type of entity to become too powerful. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, the bureaucracy has gotten way out of hand, out of control, and today it's a law unto itself. And mm-hmm. the universities feed into it, the media feed into it, even the lobbyists feed into it. The lobbyists want to see a bureaucracy. And, uh, and, uh, and one of the reasons the lobbyists are so at war uh, and in collusion with the, with the deep state is because President Trump is the first president who's never been uh, uh, controlled by so many of the lobbying influences of money and power. And, uh, and, and so many of the appointees that he has made to these cabinet posts have been on a path of deregulation and, and, and downsizing the size of government completely contrary to what the universities, the media, uh, K Street lobbyists, none of them want to see that happen. This is a cancer that has been growing for some time. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm old enough to see the evolution of it. Um, it had started certainly uh, a long time ago. I would argue that to a great extent, it got started with the creation of the Federal Reserve and the mm-hmm. IRS in 1913, World War One. then that allowed us to get into World War One. then the socialization of banking losses that we saw really put into practice 2008-2009 after the, uh, the big banks lost so much money, they left the taxpayers pay for it. Yes, they created money out of nothing, uh, thereby diluting the value of the, of the dollar on, the, on behalf of very average Americans. And uh, so, but it seems to be something that's been in the making for some time. Uh, Craig, how, how do, why do you think this has happened? Is it an educational system? I mean, to me, as I look at it, I find very few people that understand how capitalism works and why and how it creates wealth. They don't see that. It's very easy for people to understand that if the government takes from, you know, some really rich guy and gives it to some immigrant coming over the border, that somehow that makes things all good, but they don't understand where that rich guy got his money to start with. Is it, is it a big problem? It seems to me a big problem is the fact that our, our educational system isn't teaching people anything about capitalism, only 
really teaching him lies about capitalism, uh, almost. Well, Jay, that's one of the reasons I, I wrote my book. I wrote the book, The Deep State, 15 Surprising Dangers You Should Know, because I wanted to explain why bureaucracy and socialism is a failure and why capitalism and liberty is the answer to society's problems and to economic prosperity and to be basically a better society. And that, indeed, socialism is an evil, a moral and ethical evil, and we're on the path to that evil. We're on a road of, uh, to serfdom, basically. And, and, yes. and, and when you talk about the schools, it's not just the universities. I mean, the universities are a teaching, mobilizing unit to, to, to teach socialism, basically. Mm-hmm. If I, you know, I sent my kids to um, uh, secular universities. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I know now, I should have sent them to Christian universities, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and you can't. And it's not just only public. I mean, I, uh, American University. I sent my mm-hmm. kids to the American University. Almost the entire faculty were socialists. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and, but it goes down to the high school level, and goes down to the junior high, and goes down to the elementary school level. Uh, if 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 there's parents and grandparents who have kids in in grade school, in junior high, um, or middle school, in high school, basically what they're doing is being indoctrinated into socialism. I remember with my kids. Back around, oh, maybe 2001, 2002, 2003, the kids talking about basically what is now called the Green Deal. Uh My kids were talking basically about how good socialism is and that communism was okay. It was just that the communist leaders did some mistakes. And total disbelief that... Uh, Nazism and, and it was it is basically the National Socialist policy, Absolutely. and that uh, millions of people were killed in China and 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 Russia under they were not taught any of this. They were taught that socialism would stop the evils of capitalism, and I'm sitting back thinking, oh my gosh, now it's even worse because mm-hmm. what was subtle promotion of socialism. Ten years ago, today it's lifted high, and, and basically what we're seeing is a battle today, battle of the uh, of the minds on on the benefits of capitalism and free enterprise versus socialism and communism. What we're doing today is having a a a, a, a conflict between those who believe in in freedom and liberty versus those who believe in statism and collectivism, mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a massive battle of the mind, and that's why, especially in the last two chapters of my book, I laid out the case against socialism. I laid out what's uh, wrong with socialism, why it it is contrary to human nature, why uh, the founders of our republic developed something that would stop this type of of, uh, coercion against Mm -hmm. the individual. Uh, legalized theft against people who produce, and why mm-hmm. it, it's, it crushes innovation. So mm-hmm. every one of your listeners today, whether they uh, want to or not, they're going to be faced with people who think socialism 
is the best policy. And they're going to hear candidates, whether the candidate is like Bernie Sanders and, and says socialism, or like Tom Steyer or, or uh, Elizabeth Warren, who uh, advocate socialism but may not use the word, they have to be able to know how to articulate a defense of freedom and capitalism. Yeah, I think you, uh, when you said that it's forced or legalized theft, I think you uh, made the case for why it's an evil system. The idea of first one of the Ten Commandments, of course, of course they want to get rid of the Ten Commandments as well uh, because they don't believe uh, that it came from, from God. They believe that it's just something someone made up and they don't see any reason why because they want to say that in certain cases it's good for a thug to take wealth from one and give to someone else. So the, gov- the government being the thug, of course, uh, and that's that's really what it is, isn't it, isn't it uh, Craig? It's it's forced thievery. It's um, it's thuggery in a way. The, our founding fathers understood that the the most evil, pernicious entity there can that is possible is the government if it's given too much power. And um, and, 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 and Jay, it also involves uh, 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 envy. The word of God, envy, right? Mm-hmm. Bible talks about how horrific and contrary to 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 to, to the biblical worldview envy is and, mm-hmm. and the politicians are using the concept of envy uh, mm-hmm. and, and and basically socialism is is pitting one person against another based upon envy and 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 which is completely contrary to to freedom and freedom basically recognizes that God gave inalienable rights to mm-hmm. each individual, and that each individual should have equal opportunity, not forced redistribution, and that each individual made in the image of God is, is endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and that is the basis of our American society that gave us the greatest economic engine the world has ever seen, uh, that, that, that people have been able to uh, take risks, invest in companies, see those companies serve a need and grow and prosper and be able to provide services and lift po- people out of poverty like never before, while socialism, centralization of government, this whole idea of, of, of uh, a society based upon envy and somebody trying to control and regulate and, and take from some and give to others, which is legalized theft, the legalized plunder, this, the, the, those societies stagnate. Those societies mm-hmm. become uh, battlegrounds and prisons, and, 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 and it, 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 you just have to look at Venezuela. Yeah. You just have to look at China. You just mm-hmm. have to look at North Korea. You have to look at these countries, and these countries where the government controls and regulates are failures. Um, well, Jay, I got back from the State Department, mm-hmm. the Ministerial for Religious Freedom. Mm-hmm. And there we heard from uh, uh, over 20 people who had been persecuted for their Christian faith. And, 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 uh, and we heard story after story... And these were governments that were basically socialist governments. Mm-hmm. It was a, a genocide against Christians. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in China, we have a socialist country 
that is is, is uh, uh, basically so horrific in spying on controlling its people that the trend today, you talk about 19, the book 1984, Jay, right. the trend today is that you're going to have less people in prison, but you're going to have more people marginalized. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, let's, let's just take the Christian today in China. They have cameras in churches. They have spies everywhere. They have the technology of fa- uh, facial recognition mm-hmm. that you get social points, either positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And these social points are wh- how much income you get, what type of education you get, what type of jobs you get. And if you're on the lower end, you're going to get nothing. It's like mm-hmm. being in prison. And they're controlling people in, uh, this way. And, and, and that, that is such a great example of why we cannot allow that to happen here in the U.S. Well, and, and uh, Craig, when you think about it, uh, whether it's Kamala Harris or Bernie Sanders or any number of the Democrats that are running, they're basically in compliance with that thought process, I believe, the Chinese thought mm-hmm. process. They may not say so because they need to get enough uh, voters. But in essence, uh, their philosophy would seem to be in tune with that. And it seems to me that, um, you know, that we're not immune from that sort of thing happening here. We are not. And, uh, and just like the governments want to stifle anyone of faith, and in, in, in China, they stifle uh, Christians, which are, uh, uh, are millions of people, churches being torn down. They also stifle Muslims and other uh, mm-hmm. religious minorities. Mm-hmm. They don't want anything to compete with the government and the state and, and the mm-hmm. government bureaucratic orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. And basically, that's why we see here in the U.S., uh, you know, in the last eight years, this massive uh, attack on religious liberty. So I, in my book, I put in a whole chapter on the war on Christianity about how the government bureaucrats made it a, uh, their purpose to be at war with Christians here in mm-hmm. the U.S., including the judges, and, mm-hmm. and how this has to be reversed, this has to be stopped. All right, Craig, with just a minute left then, uh, what do you suggest people do? I, I, I hope they'll buy your book and read it and understand a lot of what you're saying is already, we've already talked about on this show. But how do we turn things around? How do we make things better? And I, I believe that it starts with me as an individual treating the people around me in a Christian manner, in a manner that is, that is like that that I've learned of, uh, of Christ. To the extent I can live my life that way, I will make this a better place. But beyond that, what should we be doing? Well, real quick, I think number one, if, if you're a parent or grandparent, you've got to protect the kids from uh, the government schools. Number two, what we have to do is make sure Christians get out the vote. Jay, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a sad fact that with 80 million evangelical Christians, you're just talking about evangelical Christians, mm-hmm. 35 to 45 percent are not registered to vote, and 45 mm-hmm. to 55 percent uh, don't vote. So in the mm-hmm. last election, basically what we had is 43 uh, percent of those who were Christians voting and 52 percent not voting. And out of that 48 percent, 81 percent voted for conservative and Christian candidates. Mm-hmm. And in and, uh, certain states, they have what's called ballot harvesting. 
It's a yeah. terrible thing. But with ballot harvesting, one person can pick up somebody else's ballot and take it to the voter registration. What I'm going around the nation talking about, then states where it's legal, is that the pastor tells people to bring in their vote-by-mail ballot. He will help them know who to fill out for, for the candidates for the, for the election and mm-hmm. that he will bring that to the voter registration. That will bring in millions of new voters, millions of new votes that mm-hmm. transform our society and stop this march towards socialism. All right, Craig, we're going to have to leave it go at that. We're out of time, unfortunately. So much more to talk to you about. But thanks so much for sharing uh, your book and your thoughts from your book uh, with our listeners. I hope we can pick up some other time again in the future, perhaps. Um, Great. Thanks, folks, that is all the time we have for this week. Uh, next week, I'm going to have Doug Nolan with me. Uh, he's with the McIlvaney Wealth Management crowd and uh, Quentin Hanning of Novo Resources. Uh, and hopefully, Michael Oliver will be back as well. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.